looking back at the life that I was brought into, I feel like I was shown and given the opportunity, like every opportunity to go the wrong way. It was in my face, but I didn't, you know? And I have martial arts and Muay Thai to be thankful for that because if I didn't have Muay Thai, I think I could have gone down that path. That's Jordan Fielding. He's a champion Muay Thai fighter and one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet who could also break your ribs with a single kick. Yeah. Yeah. Jordan had a rough life growing up and he's had to battle to beat the odds and make something of himself. You know, I don't actually remember feeling happy when I was a kid. I didn't have a chance to be a kid. He's never been one to share his past, focusing on the present, letting his fists do most of the talking. But Jordan's telling his story now to show other young men who come from nothing, there's a better life out there waiting if you keep fighting for it. Everything I've been through gave me the life experience to pass on to these kids and you know, they can talk to me about anything because I've, I've done everything. Welcome to Young Blood, an award-winning podcast on a mission to make the mental health of young men a top priority. My name's Callum McPherson, I'm a journalist, and this is our platform to open up and share stories of what we've been through because we're not alone. Let's do it. Trigger warning, if you find anything spoken about in today's episode distressing, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14. Jody, where'd you grow up? I was born in Sydney and I grew up in an area called Maroubra Beach. Mm. And what kind of a life were you born into? I just lived with my mum, so I was single mum, never met my dad, didn't know who it was. So I just grew up with her and my grandma was there as well. So yeah, just my mum and my grandma. And what was your relationship like with your mum? Uh, it was like, not like a typical mother and son relationship. My mum was quite young when she had me, not planned, so it was more more of a friendship, I guess, rather than a mother and son relationship. So how did that work? Do, do you mean that she had sort of certain expectations of you contributing that wasn't perhaps what would happen in another sort of a situation or just about how it felt between you and her? Yeah, just how it felt between me and her. It wasn't like a normal lifestyle. So my mum was a sex worker. There was like business operating from my house, you know, that kind of business. And was that very in your face as a kid? Like you yeah. knew what was happening? Yeah, yeah. But for me, I thought it was normal. Well, I didn't really know any different. Um, but you'd have random blokes walking in all hours of the day. Yeah. Do you remember how you used to feel about that? Yeah, I remember, I always felt a bit off especially when I got older and started going to, you know, my friends' houses and things like that. I saw that that wasn't how things... Exactly, yeah. yeah. I go to my friend's house and I'm like, oh, wow, like, what's, what's going on here? Like, this is so different, yeah. you know? Like, that's your dad and there's no other guys here and it's yeah. this guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the older I got, the more I sort of understood that it was not quite the normal lifestyle that I was living. How did your mum explain it to you like, when you used to ask questions? It wasn't really anything to be explained, it was just the way it was. What about your grandma? My nan, yeah, so my nan's my mum's mum. Uh, we were pretty close. I lived with my mum, but I would visit my nan. So yeah, she's probably the person that I'm closest with in, in my family, like even now. Yeah. Did she used to talk to you about what was going on? No, no. So that's pretty crazy, isn't it, to look back on that and realised that you'd full normalised that situation. Full normalised. Didn't have it explained to you at all. Yeah. And it took you actually going to mates' houses to be like, oh, this is actually completely different to the way that I live. Yeah. 
And so once you became aware of that and you sort of saw, okay, this is pretty unusual, mm. how did that affect the way that you were able to be in your house and, and your relationship with your mom? Yeah, so we, the older I got, the more we started separating, like um, becoming disconnected with each other because I guess it just wasn't like a loving relationship, you know, like... Was she not very affectionate? No, nah, not, not, nah, not at all. It was more just, you know, she had a baby and I was there, but she was living her life, you know, like doing what she needed to do, which I'm not mad or anything like at her because, mm. you know, she had a hard life too and we're all just products of our environment. So now I'm older, I understand her as well. Do you get the feeling like she didn't really want you? When I was younger, I did feel that, yeah. I thought that, that normal sort of maternal instinct that most mums have where you're the apple of their eye and they're kind of obsessed with you and it obviously wasn't like that. No, nah, it wasn't like that at all. Yeah, I remember going to like my friends' houses and um, their, mu their mums were so loving to me, you know, like giving me hugs, like yeah. Jordan, like it's so good to see and you. And like, you probably like kisses. recoiled from that or you thought that was a bit... <clears throat> I did, yeah, but I liked it, you know, I wanted that. I feel like um, I didn't know it, but deep down I wanted that warmth, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, when I would go to my friends' house, like give their mum a hug, like, you know, feel... Like, like it's a, just a bit of <laughs> stay away from my yeah, mom. Yeah, like, stay away from my mom. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, but there wasn't that affection in your life. Like, what nah. about your nan? Was she affectionate at all? Yeah, my nan, she was affectionate mm. to me. Yeah, she gave me lots of love. But we moved around a lot when I was young, so I wasn't always around her. But when I did see her, it was yeah, lots of love. And the fact that you never knew your dad, did that play on your mind as a kid as well? Yeah, um, I always wondered like who he was and, you know, I wanted to meet him and know who he was and, you know, that side of the family as well. But it just wasn't, it wasn't an option, you know what I mean? It just... What would your mum say about that? That he, he left, he ran away and, um, and that's it. There's no way to contact him, so... Mm. But never said who he was or any real info about him no not not no not really so so how do you feel like that affected you like now when you look back on it well at the time when i was younger it was again it was just sort of normal because i was in that situation i didn't know any different but i definitely i think definitely needed like some male guidance mm. you had no male role model there through that early nah, part of your life no no male role model i have an uncle as well my mum's brother he was good you wouldn't have seen much of him though not too much no nah, not not too much so what else was normalized in that part of your life there was the the prostitution going on mm. was there other stuff that you look back now and you're like oh that was pretty fucked up for a kid to yeah yeah he, heaps of things <laughs> like obviously living you know that life those people come with other things like drugs and Things like that. I remember setting up hydros, you know, when I was a young child. To grow weed. In school, yeah, to grow weed, yeah. I remember like after school going home, like, you know, setting up hydros and and things like that. And nothing was really said to you about that either. No, it was just like, it was we're just, growing this. It was just, this is what we do and, and that's it. So for me, it was just, again, it was just normal. Mm. How old were you when that was happening? Oh, oh shit. I remember being in primary school, like young. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I have nothing against people that do it. It's all good, but I you think... probably um, can't advise that any primary school kid should yeah, probably exactly. be growing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Were you aware that that was a way of making money 
for you and your yeah. mom to survive? Yeah, yeah. We lived in Sydney um, until I was nine, I think. And then I moved to Adelaide and um, with her partner at the time. Mm. And when we moved here, I remember just like setting up hydros here. Pretty rare skill for a kid of that it, age. It's a pretty rare skill. Been too many. Adelaide's, you know what I mean, known for that, right? Mm. For that for that plant. So that was probably the reason why we moved here. Mm. But you didn't really ever think, <laughs> think much of it? No, nah, I didn't think that. anything of it. For me, it was just normal. Didn't bring it up at school though? I'm guessing that would have raised a few eyebrows nah, if you did. No, nah, never, yeah. never. So did you have a feeling that that was not right like you said you wouldn't share it with people at school or whatever because you felt like oh yeah I, I i knew it was wrong and i would never share anything because i didn't want my mum to get in trouble mm. or you know my mum's partner to get in trouble so i just keep my mouth shut yeah and what, what's at home stays at home and what about it. violence and abuse did you ever see that yes uh my mum's partner at the time one of them was yeah he was abusive like physically mm. Do you remember the feeling of watching that happening? Yeah, just remember feeling helpless. Yeah, you know, when you see your mum getting hit and things like that, it's mm. just... And you're so small, like... You yeah, exactly. Anything. You want to protect your mum, but you can't... Was that ever projected onto you? Yeah, it was, yeah. So you had to take on some of that mm. physical abuse as well as a yeah. kid? Yeah. Mm. And then obviously you're a professional fighter now. Yeah. <laughs> Do you ever make that correlation, perhaps that that feeling that you get of never wanting to be helpless again, do you think that's factored into it probably, who you are now? It probably did. Like, I believe everything that happens in your past affects your future. You know, I, I remember feeling like I just wanted to help or be strong enough or big enough and you can't do anything about it. I made sure, you know, when I was older, that would never happen again. You know what I mean? What was things like at school? I enjoyed school. I was um, always like a happy kid. I was a popular kid. I had a lot of friends, but I was a runner muck as well. No, really, I'm surprised. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like how you said was. Yeah, yeah, I know. Nothing's changed. <laughs> no, well, I wouldn't say I was a bad kid, but I had no no guidance, no mm. rules. Yeah. you know what I mean. There was no one saying, Jordan, this is wrong, this is right. It was just I could literally do whatever I wanted. Yeah. You know? There was no one making sure that I was waking up to go to school, getting ready to go to school. But you still went. But I still went. Because you actually liked being there. Well, because I knew that I had to. Yeah. Like I would wake up and go to school. My mum was still in bed, you know. Sometimes mm. I'd come home from school, she was still sleeping. So. So why did you know that you had to go to school? Just because um, routine, you know, all my friends were doing it and. So how did other people treat you generally? I was treated like well with all my friends and yeah, some of my friends like knew what was going on, kept things quiet. Um, so only like my close friends knew. Um, but yeah, they were very supportive to me. And what age were you in that situation till? Until I was 15. So I was living in Adelaide at that time. I was going to Henley High School. My uncle came from Sydney to visit because he hadn't seen me for a long time. Mm. And he was trying to call my mum, call my mum. She wouldn't answer the phone. I think she didn't want him to see what was going on, you know, in the house. Yeah. So then he found my number somehow and he called me and I answered and I didn't even think about, you know, anything. All I thought about was, oh, I want to see my uncle, you know. Yeah. So I told him, this is my address. Like, yeah, of course, like, come see me. I miss you, you know. I love you, my uncle, mm. come see me. And um, I remember my mom just losing it at me, like, he can't come here, can't come here, you know. And I was like, oh, fuck you, you know, he's my uncle. I'm going to see him. Mm. So, yeah, he came and visited me 
and he saw what was going on. Yeah, my mum just didn't let him in the house, told him to fuck off. The next day we caught up again and he just handed me a ticket. It was a, on the Greyhound bus and he's like, you need to get on this bus and move to Sydney to live with me and don't tell your mum because if you stay here, you'll end up in jail or you know going down that path because yeah. I was. Now I think back, that was probably the most life-changing moment of my life. Mm. So where did you feel like your life was heading before that happened? I know you were probably just thinking about the day-to-day and yeah. in, in like survival mode. Yeah, well, that's I was, all you would have ever known. But yeah, it was all I knew. I, I was already selling selling weed and pills and things like that. I wasn't a bad kid, but I was just it was normal for me. Well, like you, know you what said, I mean? that that had been happening since you were little. Since I was little, so, yeah. So yeah. it was all I knew. The line of like right and wrong was pretty blurry. Yeah, there was no yeah. right or wrong. It was just yeah. you know, I mean if you can make money you fucking make it. And there it. obviously wasn't money around either. So Exactly. You're trying to look after yourself. Exactly to right. Yeah. Did you have a sense then if I stay on this path and you probably only gonna go one way? Yeah, I knew. Yeah. yeah. And did you feel deep down like actually that's not who I am? Like, it's I'm not. This, I'm this friendly Yeah. Hundred you know, percent. Actually, disciplined guy deep down. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Mm. So, did you remember what you wanted out of your life back then? I wanted to turn eighteen so I could move out of home because I didn't want to be there. Yeah. All I remember was being young and just not wanting to go home. Yeah. You know, because of like all the abuse and and that stress was always there. It was like, always there. Was never there. a time where you could relax. No. So you, you wouldn't even have realized it, but you just to some extent you would have been triggered at all times. All times, And yeah. like if something wasn't going wrong actively or you weren't in danger, you would have been waiting for it to happen. Yeah. And not until you become an adult or move away from that do you realize like, man, I was on edge yeah. at all times. At all times, yeah. 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 Yeah, I just remember wanting to get older so I could move out and just be happy. You know, I don't actually remember feeling happy when I was a kid. I didn't have a chance to be a kid. You know, I had to just, I was basically like a, a man from when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, so. And it's easy for people to look down their noses and say like, oh, you know, it's a disgrace. You're a criminal. You should be put in this bracket or that bracket. Yeah. Difficult if you don't come from that to have an understanding of how it feels and and what it's like if no one else is providing that for you. Absolutely. Like I always say, we're all products of our environment. You know, we're all just human beings. Like I don't think it matters how you come into this world. It matters how you go out of the Mm. world, you know. Mm. I have some friends came from really rich families and they were doing really well in school and now they're fucked up you know because everything was handed to them they don't know even what it's like to feel hungry you know yeah. or to appreciate things or to work hard then other people come from hard places and they end up doing really well yeah so and it's, it's hard to predict like what what is it that separates one from another when someone can come from a background where you'd say oh well they're definitely going to end up going down the wrong path mm. but then here you stand today on the right path and mm. people wouldn't have made that bet yeah exactly oh, no way then the opposite happens where they've got a great upbringing and, and everything lines up and you think oh this kid will end up being a rock star and they end up going down that path that you would have expected from someone else so absolutely it's hard to predict that yeah i think there are pros and cons on both sides like now that i'm an adult i look back at like i hated my childhood but now i look back and i appreciate it so much you know like i've man i've seen i don't think there's anything i haven't seen you know and made me a strong person and that's why i can relate so much to everyone i can talk to a police officer a bikey you know Mm. like a child i can relate to everyone um and actually have respect and compassion for them yeah exactly even though 
other people would have thought you were a disrespectful kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's funny how that works, hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So making that decision to get on that bus when your uncle said come, because he said come live in Sydney. Yeah, and, with him. And also come to Sydney and train to be a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah. So that's what he did, right? That's what he did, yeah. So my uncle was a, he owned a Muay Thai gym with a Thai guy named Krongsak. So that was the ultimatum, hey? He was like, you can stay here, you're going to end up in prison if you keep living this way, or you can come with me, I'll train you to be... Exactly. It's like a movie, dude. It, dude, it was like <laughs> a movie. And then you did that. I did, I actually yeah, did yeah, it, yeah. yeah. So but, was that a hard decision to make? No, nah, I was on the bus straight away. Yeah. I just, like, I didn't even think about it. I was like, I'm out. Yeah, he owned a Muay Thai gym, and when I moved there, that's when I started training. So, yeah. Mm. I trained a little bit, like, when I was younger, when I was five in Sydney, before I moved to Adelaide with him for a few years um, on and off just for like a bit of fun when he would have me. Mm. So I knew what it was. Um, but yeah, when I moved back there when I was 15, it was like serious. He's like, you know, you have to be here every day. Yeah. If you're not training, you're still here working mm. on the desk. So that was good for you. It was, I needed it, yeah. How do you feel about leaving your mum? I felt like I had a massive weight lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. Um, you know, I obviously love my mum because she's my mum, but yeah. I, kn I knew that for my life, I needed to get out of there. Mm. So yeah, I had no problem leaving. Mm. And there wasn't really any contact with her after that? What happened was, um, I trained with my uncle for six months. I was living with him and training with him. And he put me in a school there, mm. an old boys school. And then after six months, he's, he had a partner um, and he has two kids, my cousins they broke up and he moved to Queensland to be with her so he sold the gym so I went with him to Queensland to live with him but then they were going to court to for custody for the kids and she said in court that she didn't want um, the kids around him because she said that I was a bad influence yeah. and things like that and that caused like, on top of my bad behavior like I was still running a mug when I went to Sydney he put me in school and within the first week I'd already I was yeah. already selling weed to everyone, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'd already sourced it out, so I was already getting in trouble there. She said that in court, and it caused some friction between us. And he said to me, Jordan, I'm really sorry, but you can't stay with me anymore. Mm. So I was like, fuck. That must have hurt. It hurt, yeah, yeah it did. So I didn't know what to do, because I'd left my mum, and then I couldn't stay with my yeah, uncle. Yeah, you weren't going to go back with your mum. I, was, no. I wasn't. Well, I actually did call my mum. Because I didn't know, I didn't want to, but I had, yeah. you know, I called her and I said, Mum, it hasn't worked out here. Can I come back? I need, I need to come back. I have nowhere to go. And um, she just told me to fuck off. Far out. Yeah. So from that point, I was like, I'm never, never speaking to Fuck, you again. Man. Mm. And you're 15 at this point? I was 15, 16. Man. It's, a yeah. lot of, it's a lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. That. What I did was I moved back to Sydney because my nan was there. And I stayed with her for a little bit. She was really nice like to take me on. Did you keep training? Yeah, I never stopped training. So one of my uncle's students opened a gym um, and I was quite, like became quite close with him. So I went back and um, started training with him and I, his name's Lewis. Mm. And that's who I trained with for about eight years when I was living there. The best like male mentor that I've had. What did you learn from him? I didn't realize at the time I guess, you know, I loved fighting and I loved the sport, but now that I'm older and I look back, I think I went 
to training a lot for that male guidance. Like I didn't realize at the time, but now I look back, I can see the connection. You that wanted we have someone even to now. teach you how to be a man. Someone to teach me how to be a man and someone to tell me this is wrong, this is right. Like if anyone told me, Jordan, like don't do that, I'd just say, oh, fuck off. You know what I mean? I'm not listening. Like who the fuck are you? You haven't lived yeah. what I've lived. You don't know anything. Yeah. But if he said to me, like Jordan, like, you know, you don't do that. I would listen to whatever he said because I respected him. And that's part of Muay Thai. An integral part is the respect. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that's probably the, one of the main benefits of young people doing a martial art as well is the art form side of it mm. and, and the respect and discipline. Where if you're being disrespectful in martial arts, you'll be found out for it, or at least in a in a good gym. Yeah, exactly. That'll be, that'll be dealt with pretty quickly. Dealt with pretty quickly, yeah. yeah. And if you don't follow the rules and respect your coach, you know, you're not allowed to train. That has to flow into the other aspects of your life, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what was it about Muay Thai that grabbed you and has kept you fascinated for your adult life? For me, one, it was, my fa- it was the family business. Like, I was around it. When I was young, I remember being in the gym and going to fights, so I was familiar with it. But I love the purity of it. It's just who you are deep down and who he is deep so down. So as a form of self-expression. It's a form of there's self-expression. N- there's no hiding. There's it. no hiding. There's no bullshit. It's just, it's pure. Mm. And yeah, that's why I love it. So, yeah. so what then happened with living with your nan? How long did that last and where did you go from there? She was really nice. She loved like to take me on, but she lives in a like a small studio in a housing commission. Yes, there wasn't really room for you. Nah, there was no room. And being a teenager, by then I was like six, you know, sixteen, seventeen. She's like, "Oh, Jordan, like you need to, you need to just go get your own place." Yeah. So I was like, "Yeah, fair enough." You know, I didn't really at that time want to live with my nan either. You know, like Mm. you know, because you got like girls and things like that. I'm like, I can't can't bring that back to my nan. You know, (laughs) (laughs) although sometimes I did. Uh, Poor nan. (laughs) Yeah, she's been through it. Yeah, she's been through it. Uh, Shout out to my nan. (laughs) 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 So did you get your own place? Yeah, so I got my own place. Um, So obviously Sydney Sydney's very expensive. Um, so I had to leave school to work to pay rent. So I ended up living in this share house. I remember it was fucking crazy. It was like this townhouse um, just behind Darling Harbour. Yeah. How many people were in there? Fucking heaps, man. Like my room, it was an international share house. So in my room, there was four bunk beds. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there was eight of us living in a room. I, like people from Brazil, Mexico, yeah. England. Like <laughs> it was a madhouse, man. Yeah. So I lived there for probably two and a half years wow and what were you doing for work bartending and selling weed <laughs> yeah 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 and that was from like 16 to yeah, 19 si- yeah si- yeah yeah exactly yeah what was that Once, like being there it would have been pretty fun i guess compared to I'll, I, your to life man, to, yeah to be honest when i look back like i'm really happy i lived there because i met so many people from all around the world and like there was always always something happening um probably a bit too much oh, a bit too much definitely <laughs> it was weird because i never had that family you know element so when i lived there it was like we became a family mm. so i actually enjoyed it otherwise you would have been pretty lonely like if you were living by yourself yeah i would yeah i would have for sure 16 to 19 what was happening with your training i was training every day did you know you wanted to be a pro yeah yeah i knew i was going to be a pro fighter um i was already fighting like when I, in that time 
I'd started fighting. And you already. had some early success with that. I actually lost my first two fights. I never let it deter me. You know, just I was only young, um, but yeah, I kept training and then started winning. So were you thinking about what you might be able to do with that? Yeah, I always felt like I'm not the kind of person that can sit in an office and like deal with normal people could you imagine me doing that job not really no. not for long yeah <laughs> so i was like fuck what am i gonna do that isn't illegal yeah <laughs> that makes like good money that that you have that freedom that yeah. i have the freedom to do whatever i want you know in my mind i knew that if i could become successful and gain credibility that you know i could open a gym so that was my dream that was my dream so yeah when i was living like in sydney in the share houses i was just i knew that if I just keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting, keep fighting and become successful, that eventually I would open the gym. And the rest is history. I fucking did it. And then when I was 21, like before that, a girl who I went to school with at Henley came to Sydney to visit with a few friends. And they were having a birthday party. And she remembered that I lived in Sydney. So she called me and said, oh, um, do you mind showing us around? And I said, yeah, of course, I'll show you around. And then um, we hit it off and whatever. I started dating. I did like a long distance thing for about nine months. And then I decided to make the move to Adelaide to be with her. And that's how I ended up back in Adelaide. Yeah. When I was 21, it was for a girl. Yeah. So, typical. Yeah, typical. Yeah. <laughs> Why else would a 21-year-old move from Sydney yeah, to Adelaide? You've been chasing them ever since. It's <laughs> <laughs> a strong heart origin story. Because that's when the gym in its earliest form mm. was founded. Yeah, so when I moved here, I tried a few different gyms. They were good gyms, but I saw that the quality in Adelaide wasn't the same as, as Sydney and um, other, other states in the country. And at that time, I had probably nine fights when I moved here. I kept fighting, kept fighting. I felt like I was experienced enough to start my own gym. So I did it. One does not simply just open up a gym. Right? Yeah, like, so how my, did that actually happen? So a friend of mine, Spiro, was teaching um, like a, a women's only kickboxing class at St. Clair in Woodville. And um, we were having a chat just about life over a coffee. And I said to him, like, I'd love to open a gym. You know, I think like Adelaide could do with a quality Muay Thai gym. Another one. He said, I have this space um, that I teach classes from. And he said, I'm over it. I don't want to do it anymore. So he said, if you want to if you want, you can take it over. So I did it. He was teaching all girls. And then when I came in, the girls sort of left because I was trying, yeah. <laughs> that, that tends to happen. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I was training like, I want to train, you know, more fighters and things like that. It was just fitness. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I was renting the space out once a week and then I rented it out twice a week. It was just a room where different people would rent it. So like, so was it just word of mouth that people started coming to train there? Or word, how were they finding out about it? Yeah. Word of mouth at the start. And then um, once I got a little bit busier and I saw that I could do it, I started a Facebook page, you know, Instagram and things like that, started promoting it. But I still only had two slots a week because there was other businesses operating out of the room. And then one day the manager just came to me and said, uh, Jordan, you're the only person paying rent for the space do you just want to take over the whole the whole building so that's how that happened that yeah. wasn't really planned yeah that's when we named the gym and so why strong heart strong heart for me is like the it's everything what fighting is you know i feel 
even if you have good technique, you know, you train hard, you can, you know what I mean, do all your strength conditioning. It doesn't, like, when you're in the ring and you're in that, that moment where, you know, you're both bleeding, you're both hurt, where it becomes real, that's when heart comes in. That's the most important thing for fighting. So that's why the gym's called Strong Heart. And do you think that relates to the rest of your life as well? 100%. I think you need resilience and heart just to get through life. You know, life is hard. You know, yeah. life, life itself is hard. So do you take on some responsibility for trying to drill that into the next generation, the whole strong heart thing, as well as the respect and discipline and the fighting skills? It's about that resilience and that persistence and trying to train that attitude into young people. How much does that come into it for you? The older I'm getting, the more my mind is opening to what the gym is. In the beginning, I was just thinking fighters, like just fight, just fight, 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 fight. Yeah. I didn't even really want to teach like kids or beginners and stuff like that. They just came. Now I'm becoming more of a mentor, I guess. I remember being that kid in the gym, you know, from 4 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. And now I see some kids come in from 4 to 8.30 and I can tell that, yeah, they're there to train, but you can see, you can see the kids that need someone to talk to or some guidance. That's what we're there for, you know, we're there for those kids. And so, um, even men, like not, not just kids, you know, men as well. What's it like being able to be that guy for others knowing that that did used to be you? It's special. Yeah, it feels special. I feel like, I feel like I was meant to do it. Mm. Um, and that's why I'm thankful for my past because the fact that I went through that you know, everything I've been through gave me the life experience to pass on to these kids. And, you know, they can talk to me about anything because I've, I've done everything, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you, you're not going to say anything to yeah, me yeah. that I'm going to judge Nothing's you gonna for. Nothing's going to shock you. Yeah. Nothing's going to shock me, you know, and mm. they feel comfortable to come and talk to me. Because mm. you're non-judgmental. I'm non-judgmental and like, you know, I'll do anything for, if I can do, I'll do anything to help someone. Like, mm. it, there's no limits. And do they? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What sort of support do people look for you from? Like, do you have those, end up having those conversations? Lots of conversations. Is it something you, you bring up or it just sort of happens nah, naturally? No, I just let everything happen naturally. You know, if I can see that someone's upset or something, I'll, I'll approach them and just say, hey, are you okay? People approach me a lot. Yeah. Um, not just in the gym, but, you know, they might call me outside of hours or message mm. me outside of hours. I'll catch up with you for a coffee. Mm. You know, I've been to people's houses before and spoken to their parents and... Yeah. It's just, it doesn't end really, but I, I love doing it because I was in that situation and... Um, well, that's what actually really matters. Yeah. And you sort of, in a way, become a bit of a, a pillar of the community in that way. I which, know. Which, I know. To think of yourself that I, way. Like, I know. Yeah. It's, it's so, funny. Yeah. yeah, it's so funny. Yeah, I can't, I, like, can't believe it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm so, so responsible now, you yeah. know, but... <laughs> And would you say that most people at the gym and that you've dealt with, who've, especially who've gone on to become fighters, they have something in their life where like, they might come from a tougher background or they're, they're looking for not necessarily an escape, but a place to belong? Humans need to belong. Whether it be like at your footy club or for, at your soccer club or like... You have to fucking, find community somewhere. You have to find community. But for me... There's no better community than a martial arts community. Like I own a Muay Thai gym, Muay Thai is what I do. That's what I love. But 
I appreciate all martial arts. It teaches you everything, like the physical aspect, the mental aspect, the spiritual aspect. You know, if you come to my gym, like you've been there, where else can you find in one class, police officers, bikies, students, the guy making ice cream down the road, like the barrister, <laughs> all training together yeah. as equal people, right? Yeah, yeah, Outside totally. of the gym, you know, you wear your colors or your clothes or your uniform or whatever, yeah. but... And those people might not cross paths. They would never cross paths. Mm. And I think I love about Strongheart, obviously where I train, is it's a really good vibe to it. Mm. And people would think, okay, you know, Muay Thai is one of the most brutal sports in the world. I'm still intimidated going to class sometimes, <laughs> but everyone's really nice there. Yeah. And I think people would be afraid of like, okay, if I go there, someone's just going to take my head off or yeah. it's going to be full of aggressive dickheads. And it's not like that at all. Nah. It's very respectful and everyone understands that you've got to start somewhere. And it's actually about, I suppose, having somewhere to go and, and work out. And there's a lot of people there having a chat as well. Mm. And then I'm always notice how many kids there are there that are really happy and keen to be involved and that's a beautiful thing as well because people wouldn't associate necessarily Muay Thai with like little kids as young as seven running around but they're always yeah. laughing their heads off yeah. and, and seem to be like fairly respectful except for when they're punching me in the abs when I'm trying to do stunts <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no definitely. It's a place where anyone can go from all different aspects of life and be treated equal mm. and I feel like that's why people love the gym. We're primal animals, you know, mm. like I don't, I feel like it's natural to hit things like, and you know, have sex and things yeah. like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. We know, we know. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's normal. Of course. Um, and needed. And, and need to have that some sort of outlet for physical expression. Yeah. And I think especially men, and especially when you talk about men uh, being able to bond as well, often that's through physical activity so obviously absolutely the gym's popular like lifting weights but something like martial arts is great for that too and i think one reason that people really love it is once you've done a session of sparring or you, you've hit the pads for an hour you feel if not happy relaxed like you're mm. not going to take any aggression anywhere else in your life because you, you're able to leave it there absolutely. so if you don't have that outlet then i think that's when you those frustrations can really boil over and it seems to yeah. me like that's a lot of why people are there. They're there for that for that outlet. And it's not like everyone's there being angry. Mm. It's just like somewhere to put that energy. Yep. And then for the guys who actually fight, it seems like a lot of them are doing it because they like the being in camp aspect of it where for three months or two months, whatever it is, they have to really lock in on their lifestyle and, mm. and be really disciplined. And that's actually what they really value as much as getting in the ring. Absolutely. Yeah, mm. totally agree. How do you articulate the feeling that you get and what it's like to actually go in there when you step in the ring it's like there's nothing else there's nothing else like there's thousands of people around when i step in there it's just all i can see is just my opponent i feel like i'm in the matrix you know when i fight it feels like everything's slow motion mm. like it's like all your senses heightened and you're just completely present in that moment you know like there's nothing else experienced everything yeah big wins big losses won belts lost belts how those highs compared to the lows you know it's like the highest highs and the lowest lows someone will have say eight fights eight wins and then they'll have a loss and they'll never fight again because it hurt their ego so much yeah. you know i feel like real martial artists understand you live by the sword you die by the sword win gracefully and also accepting a loss gracefully we always fight to win but you're not you're not going to win every fight it humbles you and it makes you not have a you know big ego because, man, 
losing in front of all your friends, your family, you know, you could get embarrassed in front of everyone. That's hard. How you take that helps you develop massively as a person. Well, that's having a strong heart, right? Exactly. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like it just makes life easy. If you're able to do that, then the rest of your life can't be that yeah. hard. Right? People always say to me like, oh, Jordan, like, why, why are you so smiley? Why are you so happy? I'm like, man, when you've been through what I've been through like in life and just through fighting, I'm like, there's nothing to be upset about. Life is good. And you're a father now as well. I am. So these are some of the things that you're trying to teach your son. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. He's three now, so I'll bring him into the gym sometimes. Try and get him to train, but he's, yeah, he's, three's pretty young. Yeah, though. I know. But when he comes to the gym, he's already like putting the gloves on yeah. and like trying to skip. I'm like, all right, that's, I'm happy with that. That's my boy. That's my boy. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. So what's your relationship like with him? Yeah, we're close, very close. Mm. You like being a dad? I, lo I love being a dad. Yeah. yeah, for me, it's the best thing in the world. It was the biggest blessing. I love him so much. When I hang out with him, when I play with him. And give him love i'm just like fuck like i can't believe i never met my dad before like yeah. you know what i mean it's like it's so weird that's why I, when i'm with him i just spend as much quality time as i can with him and you know what i mean it doesn't have to be anything crazy but just spending time with just them being just there. being there just playing with him i suppose it kind of highlights what you missed out on and the mm. gravity of that which you can't you can't do anything about no. but you can be there for your absolutely son. yeah and there must be a certain satisfaction in that yeah knowing that you're the kind of man who can support a child and then also yourself and just be there yeah that's it yeah. so what matters to you in life now mm. you seem like a pretty simple guy yeah. it doesn't take a lot to make you happy. nah because i've the thing is i've seen everything and i you know i know deep down what what i feel is important in life and what i feel is important is doing things that you love I'd rather earn, you know, less money owning the gym than earn a million dollars doing a job that I hate. Because when you die, you can't take your money with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you die, people remember, people who you helped remember you, you know. Mm. So doing what you love, um, spending time with my son and being a mentor to the, to the next generation mm. of people. That's what, that's what all I want to do. And what makes you proud to be who you are now? Looking back at the life that I was brought into, I feel like I was shown and given the opportunity, like every opportunity to go the wrong way. It was in my face, but I didn't, you know? Um, and I have martial arts and Muay Thai to be thankful for that because if I didn't have Muay Thai, I think I could have gone down that path. And some people who came in at critical times. Yeah, yeah, some life-changing moments. Yeah, I'm proud of that. Not being shown what's wrong and what's right and just learning through experience and, you know, becoming successful and just being a good person. Mm. And that will to survive and, and put yourself on the right track. And it seems like you always had some sort of a sense that you were meant for more and that you wanted to live a good life and you wanted to be a good influence on other people. And, yeah. And you found a way to do that, which mm. is impressive, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. I'm happy every day, to be honest. I wake up. I love my life. I'm like, wake up, go to the gym, yeah. spend time with good people, hang out with my son. Message girls all day. Oh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my man. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode. If you're getting some value out of the show, please give us a quick rate and review. It really helps us out.
You can watch every episode in studio quality video now on Spotify and on our YouTube channel, Youngblood Men's Mental Health. We go by the same name on Instagram and Youngblood Mental Health on TikTok. Most importantly, please share this podcast with someone in your life who needs to hear it. We're all in this thing together. Catch you next time.